Could you please welcome Dr. Louise Bennett? Hey, episode 46 in the mix. Peace, y'all. Let me start out by thanking my newest patron, Phoebe. Phoebe, thank you for joining Fair of the Free Child, for supporting the work. For anyone else who's interested, it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Akila. Check out all of the wonderful exchanges there. I'm offering you some goodies in exchange for your support. And I just actually updated the $49 a month level now gives you access to Unschooling Liberation Space, which is a new space that's opening up at the end of August to really create more community around raising free people and deeper exploration of unschooling as part of a liberatory practice. Check out patreon.com forward slash Akila to continue to support the work. And I appreciate you deeply. All right. We are one episode away from the end of season two. <laughs> and I'm excited about that. And I feel so grateful about that. And I got a lot to talk about in this space today. So I just want to kick it this episode. I just want to kick it with you and share from my fruit trees. Y'all, I've been watching the Tiny Desk series today. Today has been one of those days where work and play needed to be heavily in the mix to keep me engaged. So I've been watching NPR's Tiny Desk series. So today I've watched Tank and the Bangers and I've watched T-Pain. <laughs> so good. And I also watch No Name. So right now, since I've watched those three today, I pretty much want to be a professional singer. So I'm going to be practicing all up on my podcast if I want to. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, today I just want to kick it with you and share a bit of, of course, highly relevant and deeply related topics, including sharing a piece that I wrote more than three years ago. Yeah, it's like early 2014 about this raising free people life. So I want to kick it. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Y'all know that song, right? Can I kick it? Yes, you can. 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 Can
can I kick it to all the people who could quest like a tribe does? Before this, did you really know what live was? Yo. Mm. <laughs> all right. So first up, I wanted to recap a little bit about the webinar that just ended. I did a 48 hour access to a webinar called Unschooling Explained. It was July 12th and the 13th and I'm surprised. I don't know. I'm always surprised about how responsive people were to the information and how many people got involved, like by joining the email list, by emailing me about the details of their journey, by following me on Facebook, just really got a lot of authentic engagement from people who are on their own journey to raising free people and who are really curious about unschooling. The webinar essentially was about what unschooling is, what it isn't, <laughs> why it's liberatory in its very nature and how it shows up in some people's lives. I also ended up creating an ebook, which I didn't plan on doing. I'm a book, right? It just like <laughs> every time I feel like I learn something or get a handle on something or something takes me deep, deep, deep down into my curiosity, I just feel compelled to compile it in the form of a book. Like I'm just made like that. So I created another ebook that recaps the webinar and highlights the main aspects of unschooling as part of a liberation walk. It's not a deep dive. It definitely just poses questions and makes some really solid assertions about unschooling as part of a liberation walk. So that's what the ebook is about. It's like 20 pages, I think, or maybe 19 pages. 14 of those pages are recapping the contents of the webinar, and the remaining pages are talking about unschooling liberation space, which is the deep dive into unschooling as part of a liberation walk. So if you missed the webinars for, it's one webinar, if you miss both days of the webinar, you can still sign up and then you'll get the ebook and also details about future webinars. The link for that is bit.ly, you know, bit.ly, which is a way to shorten links. Be like boy, it dot ly forward slash RFP chat, RFP as in raising free people. So it's bit.ly forward slash RFP chat, and you can sign up and get the ebook there and invitations to future webinars and things. I'm very excited that the podcast is opening up this sort of space for the work to be more deeply explored. That's something that I definitely didn't expect or anticipate or plan, but I fully embrace it all is under the mission of making self-directed education more sustainable, more accessible, and more of a norm for anybody who wants it. So yeah, that was the highlight reel for the webinar. <laughs> The next thing I want to touch on this Can I Kick It episode, Genia, who's also a patron. What up, Genia? I promised that I would answer your question about why the system ain't broke. Genia has a son with special needs and has really been an advocate for him. And then prior to that, her sister, another person with special needs, she's really been an advocate for them through the school system and just realizing some of the inadequacies that are unique to people with special needs inside public or even private education. So Genia has been very much in that space and found the podcast, has found it really refreshing and helpful for her journey. 
and asked me to elaborate a little bit on how it is that the system isn't broken. You know, you've probably heard me say before that we keep talking about education and the education system being broken, but it isn't. It's doing exactly what it's designed to do. And Genius said, break that down for me a little bit more. One, you already know that it's doing what it's designed to do because you've seen it with your sister. You know, you've had all that experience with her and then you now see it with your son. So you've seen the pattern. You said yourself that it hasn't changed. A lot of the same issues that you were advocating for on your sister's behalf back in the day when she was in school, you're now uh, dealing with with your son. That's because the inherent design of the system, the educational system, is not about looking at the needs of each individual learner, each individual child, and then finding ways to nurture what learning looks like for that child. That's not what it is. That's a whole person approach to learning. The education system doesn't take a whole person approach to learning. It takes a systemic approach to transferring information. So it is not about the learner. It is about the information. That's why reading is so important. It's not because the school system is founded on the ideas that reading is going to empower people. Sure, people use it for empowerment, but the idea is that they need to learn how to read because the information needs to be transferred and that's the best way, the most efficient way to do it. So the educational system, the focus is on the transference of information and compliance. Like, don't get it twisted. It's about compliance. It isn't about challenging yourself to be better and do better. Sure, people use it to do that. But don't confuse the use with the inherent design of the thing. You got to look at what it was designed to be so that when you are looking to create change for your child, you don't push your energy into trying to change the system because it, it's doing what it's designed to do. It is you, it is us, it is our families, it is our communities that need to get together to decide what learning can look like for the people that we want to support, not for the system that we've been forced to support because it was mandated. And because even in the states where it's not mandated, there's still so much social pressure and so much confusion around the options outside of traditional school. So Genia, I don't know whether that answers your question, but that's very much what comes up for me organically. Look at the patterns that you've seen already. Look at the, the reason that school was established to begin with, and then transfer that energy over into what I think you've already been doing from our communications, because Jeannie and I have talked many times now via email. Continue to do what you're doing, Jeannie, which is to focus your energy on your child and not on the system. And that will almost always <laughs> lead you to see that there's a more liberatory, a more learning-centered, a more human-centered way to approach learning and living, and that school can be part of that, but it does not need to be centered around school. So one of the things that's been coming up a lot, especially since I did that webinar back on the 12th and 13th, so recently, was the shift. Similarly, when I did the Raising Free People workshop, I did a nine-week workshop with 13 other women that was in the spring. Very, very enlightening just in terms of where people are in their journey and what stuck points seem to be common 
among a lot of us, the shift, you know, that first major, well, maybe it's not one major, but that first series of shifts, the first few times where you really, really recognize that the way that you've been approaching parenting and the way that maybe even more broadly that you've been approaching relationships and communication just isn't working for you. Either it's not working for you anymore or the shit was never working for you to begin with. When you realize that and then you start to apply that to parenting, that shifting space is something that it seems that a lot of people are very clear about when it's happening. And also talking to a lot of you, realizing how aware you are right now, but also the turmoil that that causes. Because when you're really, really aware that something is different and that you're needing to be different and that your internal environment is calling for you to approach things differently, huge part of self-care. When you feel that nudge, yet you don't feel equipped to make the shift, that shit hurts. It hurts and it affects everything. It shifts you all kind of ways until you get settled, until you learn to deal with it. And this raising free people work, <laughs> uh, particularly through unschooling, is no different. It holds you, it hems you up and says something needs to be different. So in talking about that shift, I feel like there's a lot of space for us to talk about that more openly together. And season three of the podcast is definitely going to have that sort of flavor, among others, but that's one of the primary flavors, the shifting, the awareness that something ain't right, but the struggle of not having the tools to do what it is that you want to do now. In that vein, though I've only been doing this podcast for about a year, I've been writing about my own and my family's slow shift into a liberation walk, which is very much through unschooling for us for much, much longer. I wanted to share this piece that I said about three years ago, I wrote it. <laughs> it's so funny to see the differences too in my mindset and as well as the similarities. But three years ago, when we were still very, very shaky legged at this thing, not, not that everything is perfectly clear now, but we're definitely in a groove, you know, the four of us, Chris, Marley, Sage, and me, and I feel like now, much more than three years ago, we get to be ourselves together and nobody's trying to make anybody into some idea of who they should be. And we're seeing the benefits of that and also working through the newness of it because Chris and I don't have any language for that, you know, just like you, <laughs> we weren't raised with that liberatory approach in mind, that idea of personal agency. And not just by our parents, like all the environments we were in, most of them anyway, weren't supportive of that. So we're co-creating those tools with Marley and Sage. And I've come to call that like patois, you know, because I, I, I think that patois is that it's different. It's people who come from different spaces, right? Who are speaking this different mother tongue, who have these different experiences, who get together. And there becomes a commitment to finding shared meaning, to being able to communicate and know what the fuck each other are saying, right? In doing that, you develop a patwa together where it's a little bit of your language, a little bit of mine, a little bit of the environment, what the environment calls for outside of you and I. And so that's what we're doing. It's a parenting patwa. 
that we are developing together and exploring a lot. It's coming up in my meditation. It's coming up in my day-to-day life. This idea of co-creating this patwa where shared meaning and understanding is, is being nurtured among the four of us. And so it's coming into play in my real life a lot these days. <laughs> I'm finding myself challenged by some of the differences for example, in, in my and my daughter's personalities or their needs, like the way they keep their room <laughs> versus the way that I'd prefer that they keep their room. You know, things that feel like little shit that can turn into big shit, like real easy. Just those sort of things or like the way they schedule their days and how that affects their sleep patterns. All these observations, all these spaces where I get to observe my feelings, you know, like the feeling that I need to step in and then realizing that there are also times when I don't need to step in, when I don't need to try to get them to do something. It's just that it makes more sense to me or it makes things more convenient for me, you know? So I'm really, really sometimes painfully present (laughs) with how my ideas of order and of my responsibility as their parent, how those things are based on what make me comfortable versus what actually is and what I can try to better understand about how my daughters choose to live and be and express themselves, that sort of patwa co-creation. So yeah, this raising free people work ain't for suckers. Let me tell y'all, I ended up screaming at Marley the other day. Yes, because (laughs) I was getting some pushback and, and this is not me saying it was okay. This is just me sharing because she was pushing back about cleaning up the space, one of the spaces that we share. And I got so upset at the way she seemed to be making it about me and not about cleaning up her shit around the house that I, I just lost my shit, you know? (laughs) <laughs> we both lost our shit, actually. And in this particular shit losing moment, I walked closer to Marley. Like I was, I started out, she was at one end of her room. And first I was by the door and I started walking closer to her. And I didn't even realize it at first, but once I realized it, it was because I was lowering my voice. I realized that I was talking much louder than I fucking needed to because I was hype. I realized that. And so I started walking closer to her and quieting down my voice. And she didn't like that. So as I started walking closer to her, she was like, can you back up, please? I was like, is who should I talk to? Patwa lesson, right? I remember I told y'all that you were going to know some Patwa by the time you finish listening to me, whenever the last episode of the last season is, you will know some Patwa. So when she said that, I was like, is who should I talk to? Who is she talking to? Maybe you could even tell by the way I said it, even if you didn't understand, right? She said it and I was like, is who should I talk to? Yeah. Like I felt myself like ready to get buck. Like she's like, can you back up? And I just was like, mm. you know, I paused. And at first I, I could feel myself being like, no, you know, or going closer or whatever. But here's this raising free people work in action. I was able to be with what she said. I feel like two or three years ago, I would have been like, who the hell, you know, like (laughs) took that all the way down that road, built houses. But I didn't do that this time. And I'm happy about that. I paused and I paid attention to what she was saying. And I realized that 
she was well within her rights to be like, essentially, yo, back the fuck up. Because that's what I would have said to somebody who was coming closer to me, especially if we were beefing. But she's like, can you back up, please? And I realized that that's totally okay. I, she has the right to defend her person. Outside of that, I want her to. But more importantly, she has the right to do that. So I'm happy about that. And I'm happy that this wasn't something that came up in retrospect. <laughs> so I backed up. I, I processed. I stood there for a minute and I knew enough not to say anything, right? That's a tool. That's a resource. When we talk about not having the practice in this thing, that's an example of a, a resource, a practice tool to shut the fuck up. Because I could have said something. I could have responded to that. I could have gone all kind of ways. Or... I can observe and I can look into her face like I did and remember that that human being, no matter whose child she is, has the right to defend her person. And in that moment, I processed. I have no idea how long I stood there, but I processed and I backed up and I said, oh, I'm sorry, after I processed. <laughs> and then I backed up and we kept on talking. Both of us had our voices too high. At that point, we weren't yelling, but it definitely was like, <clears throat> you know, there was like a lot of fire in the space. And after a while, I stormed out because I realized that my shit losing level was about to become like my whole entire life if I didn't walk away. And I did. I stormed out of the room. And you know what? <laughs> we haven't talked about it. It's been like almost two weeks. We've made some jokes at each other about it. And that's part of how we process. But we haven't gone in and done the like mutual apologies and like dissecting shit with the benefit of Chris in the mix because he's such <laughs> an important part of our process when we go back through and talk about things. Not always, but oftentimes. But we haven't done any of that. And I'm not even sure that we will. And that, one of the reasons why I felt comfortable sharing this with you is because I also think it's an opportunity to pull this shit on out of the ether and give you like a concrete example of what the practice looks like. Because that's all a part of trusting the process. This idea that we, we won't all the time do the same thing. Sometimes process looks like apology and unpacking. Other times, process looks like roasting each other about being junky and about being controlling and then observing what changes. It's trusting the process, knowing that we don't have to have the answer or some formalized idea of what it would look like as we get to learn each other. So that's all part of the process. And interestingly, what has changed in the few weeks is that every single time since then, now it's only been a couple of weeks, but I'll take it. So far, every single time that I've called her like upstairs to put away some shit or downstairs to put back some shit, she's done it without an attitude and without any pushback, which then causes me because her and Sage are my life guides. So because she's not pushing back, it's causing me to notice more often the times that I don't put shit back or the times that it would be more convenient for me to clean it up later. You know, but there's just nobody on my back telling me when I need to clean it up or the times that I forget that I left a granola bar wrapper on the couch or whatever, you know, like it's becoming less and less about this big idea that she has no respect for us or the space because she won't clean up her shit to just showing her the shit and being like, it needs to be cleaned up and then keeping it moving, <laughs> you know, anywho, the piece that I wanted to share, what an intro is this. 
Validation is for parking. Word. That quote is full of radical self-expression mojo, and it offers the perfect segue into my current life design as an unschooling parent. That quote, validation is for parking, I got it from Austin Kleon's book, Steal Like an Artist, and it nudges us towards the idea of external validation and asks us, hey, do you actually need that shit? Do you need to feel like they get you, agree with you, or find you relevant? Do you need their attention or their approval? And the truth is, we do, but only because we've been conditioned to believe we do. And much like in any other radical idea, wrapping your brain around it will help you to see it for what it is, an option, but not a requirement. In our need to be validated by others lies the opportunity to explore how we want to feel and why outside validation may be where we are now, but not where we need to stay. I found myself wrapping my brain around that idea of validation as it relates to my beliefs where learning and education are concerned. Chris and I transitioned our daughters and ourselves into unschooling back in June of 2012. The shift was inspired by our oldest daughter's challenges with school and further massaged by both girls' constant assertion that they liked their friends but didn't like sitting in class all day learning, quote, a bunch of stuff we don't even care about, end quote. I researched for months, calling on my circle of homeschooling parents for perspective, and finally decided, after much dialogue with Chris and our girls, that unschooling, not homeschooling, was what was worth exploring for us. And I'd love to say that we haven't looked back since, but we have. Unschooling is a contact sport. We spend time together exploring our interests as opposed to dictating our daughter's interests. This is fun and engaging, but it's also challenging. It calls for the four of us to constantly check in with ourselves in ways that traditional school never did. And we need that. So while this is not a complaint, it is an element of self-inquiry that helps Chris and me to see our daughters as people on their own paths who need guidance, love, and sometimes boundaries, as opposed to this predetermined curriculum to fit into and attempt to excel within. Parenting in, not on. Unschooling for us is about exploration. Exploration of ourselves and of our environments. The primary challenge that Chris and I face in this relatively new for us space is the work of shifting from the traditional style of parenting with firm, preset ideas of what our daughters should know, will need, and must do. You know, it's the dilemma of parenting onto this supposed blank slate that a child is versus developing our parenting style by immersing ourselves in our daughter's worlds, their interests, their curiosities, their personalities. When we approach any relationship with a set of notions of what should be, we miss the opportunity to create something based on the reality of what already is. In parenting, much like in any other relationship, I've found that it doesn't work well to place my expectations on my daughters without significant consideration for the people they already are. And I believe every human being comes fully formed. So we each have our own blueprint, our own fabric. And though my daughters chose Chris and me to come through, they're not here to become versions of us. They're on their own journeys. And they're not blank slates to be drawn upon with the colors, lines, and ideas that I or their father have gathered throughout our lives. 
they are not blank. They are full, full of curiosity, innate tendencies, and unique perspectives. Chris's and my jobs are to guide, nurture, and most importantly, learn who our daughters are. In doing so, we help them to connect with their own organic interests and characteristics and to define what it means to take full ownership of those experiences. Ultimately, our jobs as parents is to help our children practice excellence within their own unique life design. I'm still needing to check in with myself daily to correct course with my tendency to parent on my daughters instead of in their worlds. Let me give you a few examples of what Chris and I do to turn on to in. Here's an example of parenting on. Assigning the girls math from a book because, damn it, they need math in life. And how we would turn that to parenting in, knowing that Sage, who's eight, loves to bake, we assign her a project of researching a four-ingredient baking recipe online, take her to the store to buy those ingredients, putting her in charge of purchasing those ingredients, counting the money, adding up the costs, you know, all of those things, and measurements to make the recipe for four people. Another example of parenting on, revoking computer privileges from both girls because all they want to do is play games and design outfits. (laughs) And how we would turn that to parenting in, knowing that Marley, who's nine, is deeply in love with all things anime, manga, and WordPress, we introduce her to Scratch, Code Academy, and Theme Forest, where she can channel her interest into projects. This way, she will need to set goals, manage her time, follow through, and expand her computer and design knowledge in ways that connect her to her interests. See the difference? On is about preconceived notion and about worrying that the girls won't get smarter if we're not dictating what they learn. In is about staying attuned to their interests and introducing them to tools to explore those interests. Now that's tough for a recovering control addict like me, but I'm up for it. We encourage our daughters to seek validation through effort. Instead of asking whether we're happy with what they did, we're guiding them towards asking themselves whether they did the best they could. And we're guiding them towards personal excellence and not pats on the head from an adult or peer. The last thing I want to do is send a message to my daughters that they need to be something other than what they are. I believe life is about exploration and expansion. And for us, this in not on approach is how we stay true to that belief. Seth Godin asked a pertinent question. Are we teaching our children to connect the dots or just to collect them? Degrees, accolades, and high GPAs don't mean what they used to. In this time, we need critical thinkers, creative entrepreneurial types, and confident women and men. We need radical thinkers who are versed in the practice of excellence and keenly aware of their talents, their abilities, and how they want to feel while they're immersed in living. This takes time, and as the girls are so young, they still need validation in this developmental stage. We're okay with that, and we do our best to walk alongside them, and in some cases in front of them and in some cases behind them, as they seek validation from their own souls and less from the outside world. And then at the end of the essay, I asked the question about how people do, well, I said, what do you do to move yourself and the younger people in your life towards internal joy and away from external validation? And then there were more than 20 comments from folks who were just, who felt connected to what I had said and who were experiencing their own versions of that in some way or wanted 
to be more in the space where they were approaching their child from, you know, that in, not on perspective. So yeah, I felt like it was important to share it here because as I said in the essay, the girls were eight and nine and now they're 13 and 11. So I've had some experience since then and I can look back at that and even some of the terminology that I used when I said, assign sage this thing, we've shifted outside of even that. We don't do that anymore. We have projects that we talk about and if there's any sort of adverse reaction, like they don't want to do it and we talk through it, then they don't need to do it. We need to come up with something else that's actually going to work for all of us. Whereas three years ago, it wasn't like that. We just, we assigned things. We still saw ourselves as the primary guides. Whereas now, three years later, we understand that for us, much of that was more so about control and about doing what was comfortable and what we were used to, as opposed to trusting the process and being able to see the ways that learning and living and happiness and context and all of those things were being formed without us having to simulate that or um, lead or guide that in any way. I hope that's helpful for you because I know early in the journey, it can feel like, yo, you're saying these things, Akila. I get these emails from y'all all the time. I'm not there where you are. I'm at this point and I still feel like he needs to be doing this or she needs to be doing that. That's okay. That's totally okay. It's a process. What you have to learn to do is not to try to figure out how to make your process more like mine. It's more about trusting your own process. And you can listen to me and the folks that are on the podcast who are also going through their own processes to get perspective and to feel a sense of community and belonging. But don't look to us for your process. Your process is beautiful and perfect for you. And it is your child, each of your children, who are going to help you to develop that process. That's that patwa again, right? You're co-creating that. And they're your primary guide. They're your primary partner. Okay. I hope this session of us kicking it <laughs> was useful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I always picture people and I felt like it was just like a bunch of us in the room together sitting and talking. And so I'm hoping to do more of these things in person. And I'll be doing that at Arrow. Last episode, I said that it was August 3rd to the 6th, but it's the 2nd. And the website is arrowconference.org. So if you want to come kick it with me in New York, August 2nd through 6th, check out aeroconference.org and come through. The show notes page for today's episode is akilasrichards.com forward slash 46. That's akilasrichards.com forward slash 46. As always, peace and love. And I'm going to talk to you one more again next week. Bless up. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives. Insightful commentary. Learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves. Owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity. Creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces. Breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education. Loving. It's about learning liberatory practices defining love for ourselves and giving our love to as much of the world as it can possibly contain let's find each other let's support each other all of these stories are important and should be shared
Thanks for listening to Farah the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at akilasrichards.com.